There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your three hosts this evening, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been the deputy site manager for the better part of three seasons and the minor league editor for the better part of six seasons now. And this is a special kind of end of minor league season wrap-up show for us. Uh, very, very sad times for us uh, in, in some respects. I'm, we are certainly looking back forward to a little bit of rest and relaxation and not having to come, uh, recap minor league games every single day. Uh, we still have some games left to go with, with the Gwinnett Stripers having to continue their season for another couple weeks, uh, as well as the Mississippi Braves doing a playoff push this uh, starting this week. They'll be starting that playoff series tomorrow. Joining me to cover this, this a wide range of topics, I think, and a, a, a lot of fun ones at that on this wrap-up show. First... We have one Garrett Spain. You can follow him over on at, uh, Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett, how are you, my friend? I am doing good. Back for another week. I'm kind of it's bittersweet, you know, the end of the season. I'm happy that I get a break, but man, I'm gonna like in like three days, I'm gonna be like, "Where's the Rome Braves?" And then it's just gonna be sad. Well, if you're thinking it on a Tuesday, you probably wouldn't be missing very much because that's Garov's recap day, and they basically get rained out every single time that he's out there. Uh, speaking of which, one of the recipients of a lot of these rain-out doubleheaders this week, uh, you can follow him on U of D Wayne at, on, on Twitter, our own D2 expert and longtime friend and colleague here at Talking Shop, one Wayne Cavati. Wayne, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm uh, glad to be back on, on a baseball show, you know, with the uh... – College football season, you mentioned a D2 back in full swing and working on the D2 podcast every week. Uh, been a lot of football for me lately. So while it is what Garrett said, bittersweet that the season's coming to the end, uh, I, I'm glad to be back here talking about it for a little bit tonight. Well, yeah, and again, with your kind of the D2 stuff for you kind of cranking back up, it's, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, right? So it's kind of nice to at least lose a little bit off the <laughs> off the top off your plate, right? No, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it it is sad. I mean, this is what we're here, you know, our group in particular, we're here to watch these minor leaguers and, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. Hopefully watch the Braves for a little bit <laughs> longer this season. But, um, you know, like you said, work, work wise, it's definitely a, a big relief coming up the next few weeks. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, worth mentioning too, like we'll feel this way for about like two weeks. <laughs> And then after that, it's going to feel really weird not having the minor leagues, you know, not again, we're, we watch games constantly. We're constantly talking baseball and things like that. And sure, the Braves are going to find, give us ways to, you know, be mad or be happy and things like that. And, you know, we kind of get into the off season and it's kind of a different sort of discussion. But, you know, at this moment, it's just, it, it, 
this is the one of the rare situations I think where it feels like this season has come to a natural conclusion, uh, and that's comes that's also partially because of how like you know innings have been managed too. It's kind of felt like the end of the season where they're just not really you know letting these guys run out big pitch counts and things like that. So again, it feels a bit like the end of the minor league season, maybe more often than not, as opposed to just kind of like and the switch is off. So uh, we're, we're again we're happy that those, these guys get to go get rest a little bit. Uh, again, the the stripers and the Braves still the Mississippi Braves particularly. Uh, as well as the big leaders for that matter. They still have some more work to do, but beyond that, you know, these guys getting some rest and then we get to talk about instructs and the off season and trades and all that stuff. But for, for us and for them, we're glad to get a little bit of rest, but we still have some work to do here. And that's talking a little bit about kind of our end of season thoughts, but we do have a little bit of news to kind of talk about first. And I'm going to kind of keep Garrett up here. It's kind of with a hypothetical because some weird Things were happening on the internet earlier was, was that on several of the, like the apps were like previews matchups. Instead of kind of like I'm saying it was like, you know, TBD type thing for the Braves, which is what it's been announced as all week, um, due to, uh, Tuki Tucson. It sounds like Tuki's, uh, father passed away recently. I, with, with Instagram and things like that, I don't want to like necessarily make too many assumptions or anything like that. Uh, with like, you know, social media announcements and all that stuff, you just never really know, uh, for sure. But ultimately, you know, it makes it seem less likely that Tuki would be able to make that start. On Tuesday, down in Arizona, and we also, you know, there's not exactly a ton of confidence in Drew Smiley either. And it was on those preview pages that it was showing Bryce Elder as the probable starter on Tuesday. Now, we, I'm going to go ahead and just debunk this now, is that Mark Bowman was specifically asked about this on Twitter, is whether or not Bryce Elder was going to be getting the promotion and starting that game on Tuesday. And he said it's not happening. I don't think that Mark says such things unless he's been told that specifically. It's possible he's been lied to. Um, or that, you know, something's happened, maybe Elder couldn't get out in time in order to make that start, for example. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors there. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, it's a, a done deal one way or the other. But it does kind of beg the question, let's assume a world where it's happening, that Bryce Elder is going to be making his major league debut right now or tomorrow in Arizona. First, Garrett, I'm going to tee you up. Talk to our listeners a little bit about who Bryce Elder is as a pitcher kind of what you like about him, what you don't, and kind of talk a little bit about how well he's done this season. Yeah, I mean, Bryce is one of, I mean, the biggest steals the Braves have gotten in the last few drafts. I mean, they got him all the way down in the fifth round, and this year, I mean, he's done nothing. I mean, he's pitched his way all the way from high A all the way up to the AAA level and has just cruised at every level. He's extremely efficient with his pitches. He has a four-pitch mix, you know. We had a lot of questions before the season as to whether that curveball was going to be a major league pitch. And he started to show that not, he has that curveball can play at major league average. And so you mix that with this slider, his changeup and his fastball. None of his pitches are going to necessarily blow you away, but he pitches them all at an average to slightly above average level. He has good command. You know, he's still inexperienced enough where that command can come and go at times. But for the most part, his command's really good. And as long as that doesn't get away from him, he's usually in control of games. He has very, he's not one of those pitchers that kind of the game gets away from him in a hurry. That hasn't really happened, but once or twice this entire season, you know, and I think he's a guy that, I think he is a guy that could come to the major league level right now and succeed. Um, I think, you know, is he better than Kyle Muller? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it's, we have to kind of see what he does right now, but I mean, I think, it's nice to see that what he's done this year, he has definitely put himself in a position where you look at him as like, if they need a guy down the stretch, that's a guy you could go to. He's definitely a guy that 
next year they're going to give a long look at in spring training. Um, so, I mean, I love what everything that Bryce Elder has done this season. You know, I don't think that he's going to be, you know, he's not the guy that's going to be, you know, a top of the race, rotation star, but he's always, you know, he seems like a very solid bet to be a major league pitcher and give you really, really solid innings. Yeah, the only thing I would disagree with you there, like the one thing that I like about Bryce, like the one thing that it was his selling point coming out of the draft was that slider is very, very good. Now, the problem that we, I guess we thought a little bit was, is he going to miss enough bats, particularly against professional hitters? Uh, is the slider going to be enough? Because the rest of the pitches just seem like they're okay. But he's been getting missing bats with that fastball too. The changeup has been surprisingly good too. So it's just, he's... The, the nice thing about what Bryce has done is not only like early in the season, yeah, he was getting more weak contact and missing bats and it wasn't quite as exciting. But as the season's gone on, I mean, this is a guy that started at high A this year and he's more all the way up, all the way up the triple A and he's just found success at each level. And it's with a lot of different pitches and doing things a lot of different ways that he's, he goes deep in games. He's a lock for six or seven innings every time. So he's kind of getting those, you know, those weak contact outs early in at bats where, you know, two or three pitches and the guy puts a weak ball in play, but he's also getting some strikeouts too. So I guess, Wayne, I'm going to ask you, if you're the Braves right now, and again, we we were asked this a little bit, like why isn't Kyle Muller, why isn't it uh, Kyle Wright, uh, you know, guys that are already on the 40-man roster. It's just that they're not available. They already they pitched recently. They're not they're not going to be on regular rest. And combine that with being on a west with the West Coast road trip. I mean, you're not going to like put a guy on two days rest and put him on a plane for Arizona and hope that he can pitch well. So my question is, let's assume again, it's not likely at this point that Bryce Elder is getting called up. Do you think that he is ready to be a major league pitcher? And like, do you think he'll find success there right away? Well, you know, well, take out the the rest equation. The the rationale behind a move like Bryce Elder makes a lot of sense, right? And it's a lot of the things that you guys both said. You know, the first and foremost, the guy goes six or seven innings every time he's out there, right? And if you on Twitter as much as we are, you know that the Braves fan base is tired of the bullpen right now. They could the bullpen could be gassed. There's definitely question marks. So you're calling up a pitcher that has shown in the minors, granted, that he can go a, a long way into the game. And the one thing Garrett said that I like and that I, I find absolutely true is that the game doesn't get away from him, right? So he is a guy that, sure, he's going to allow three runs, but he's also going to pitch deep into the game and, you know, leave, get, keep you in the ball game. So that's the kind of guy you do want to call up. Is he ready? You know, Probably not, right? They, they, like you said, yeah, it's, it's so hard to say a guy that started at high A right. is ready to go in September, yeah. So, it, 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 and also, like you just said, we're, if we're not looking for a guy to lead the Braves into the playoffs and then be that Ian Anderson type of guy into the playoffs, you know, why not bring him up and see what he could do? See if he could get that bullpen rested. You know, it is his slider. It is his curveball. This isn't a guy that it relies on a hundred mile per hour heat to get you out. Um, he uses his complete arsenal and, and it's not, you know, you guys know from back the, the past few years, the Bryce Wilson call ups, the, the Tukey call ups, I felt they weren't ready, right? But Bryce Elder isn't a, a 20 year old, right? He's a 20 year old college arm that pitched in one of the most competitive conferences in college baseball, you know, so, this is a guy that, you're, yeah, he started in high A, but it's also the opposite end of the spectrum in the sense that he does have that experience. So, you know, kind of, is he ready? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But the rationale behind it, I, I don't mind him getting the chance. And, and I'd like to see, you know, if that's the guy they call up, I wouldn't mind seeing what happens. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating idea. And again, I, I want to stress this again so people don't like tweet at us constantly that, you know, well, no, they said they weren't calling him up. We know that. We know that right now what Mark Bowman has said is that they are not calling him up. Again, we're just kind of addressing like planning for the future a little bit just in case that that's wrong, especially since we've already seen some kind of anecdotal, you know, quote unquote, like Twitter policing or not Twitter policing, uh, Twitter investigations, I guess is the best way to describe it, that, you know, like at least it's kind of being entertained as a possibility, at least in the digital world. And so we want to make sure that we like have some thoughts out there so that you guys kind of know where, where we're at on Bryce. We like him a lot. Uh, he's been very, very good. Um, just solid, solid outings every time he goes out there, almost always. You know, every once in a while he puts up a dud, but most of the time he's been very, very good. We like him a lot. Again, not likely that he's pitching tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. So, um, we already kind of addressed that we're the season's kind of running down. Gwinnett does play for another couple of weeks as part of their regular season, and then Mississippi begins the playoffs this week. So now we're going to kind of get into the like end of season Q and A type part of the show uh, with with Wayne and Garrett here, and I'm going to do my best just to kind of play traffic cop and just make sure that you know we they get a chance to share their views because you get to hear my voice a lot. Now you guys, if you're listening to the feed on any on the regular, I was just on the Talking Shop uh, flagship show, so I want to make sure that we're getting Garrett and Wayne a chance to kind of get their thoughts down too on what has been a really interesting minor league season. Um, and I, I did put together a few questions for them. Uh, we're not going to go too crazy in depth on this particular show. Uh, we're going to kind of, again, go really in deep on like the individual team rosters for subsequent episodes, uh, that, like in the next few weeks. So the first question I want to ask you, and Wayne, I'll let you go first is for you. Who was the biggest surprise in the Braves farm system? And I'm talking about in a good way, not like, you know, I can't believe this guy didn't pitch well or anything like that, but in a good way, who was like the kind of the biggest surprise for you in 2021? I mean, it's obvious it's Alan Renhell, right? But, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a surprise, but he's not the yeah, biggest. Yeah, 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 part owner of the Rome Braves, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but for me, you know, it's another guy that made the jump for real, for real. It's, uh, another guy that made the jump from Rome to Mississippi, and it's Freddie Tarnick, right? Um, this was a guy the last time we saw him, he was incredibly raw. There was a whole year off. We had no idea really what to expect. And then in Rome, you know, that was the first time I saw him. I, I did a write-up on him on Talking Chop. And the stuff the stuff was there, but it was still kind of that inconsistent stuff, you know. And, and you could see it just in the stat line. He had 13 walks and 28.1 Rome innings. He made the jump to Mississippi, and he's looked great, right? He has 15 walks and 45 innings. And if you combine both stops, he has 109 strikeouts and 73.1 innings, right? So the mid-'90s fastball is still there. Um, his delivery... While it still gets away from him sometimes, it is, it's much more cleaned up. It's much more consistent. Um, and, and just the consistency in his arsenal. Uh, it was just really impressive how he went from this, you know, I, I use the word. He was a very raw prospect in 2019 and he looked, I don't want to say polished. He's not there yet, but he looked like a guy that's pretty close to being, you know, on his way up, up the prospect ladder, if you would. And then just to throw in one other, thing that really surprised me and it's not a player necessarily but you got to give a shout out to the 2020 draft class right we're just talking about the price yep. here on the whole like you want to talk about a surprise these guys haven't seen a baseball field in their career and all of them as long as garrett's not doing the recap all of them are doing really well right <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're gonna get to that I, i'm 
See, I kind of want to ban Garrett from even speaking his name. I'm not sure if that's where he's going. Uh, so, uh, but I do want to say one, one note about Tarnock. The nice thing about it is that a guy with like long, long lanky guys in particular have a lot, a hard time repeating their delivery. And like his, his, his historically, at least in my looks, I've had trouble repeating their delivery and commanding their pitches consistently. And Freddie has gotten consistently better start to start to start. Uh, sure, he'll have like an inning where it gets away from him, where maybe it doesn't show up in the stat line as well, like that kind of development. But it's like an inning gets away from him, and then he gets back on track. And again, really exciting to see. Like, that's a really live arm that you know, as a starter is really exciting and he still has that option that he can, he could end up being a reliever down the line and then you could see some real heat coming out of him. But overall, really exciting to see what he's coming up with. Garrett, who's your surprise? I'll, uh, I'll let, I'll let you take the other one. I won't say any names. Uh, you can, you can go with that. I want to go with, uh, Joey Estes actually. Um, I mean, I think we all, He's going, been really good, yeah. We we all go into the season, we liked Estes. We kind of had him, you know, back into the top 30 type guy. Where we were looking at him, he was a guy we were interested in. I don't think any of us expected him to be even nearly as good as he was. I mean, he had everything working on nearly every single start this season. I mean, in the same way that, you know, other than Bryce Elder, he really was, you know, the guy, you know, other than Bryce Elder and the other guy that I won't mention, he was really, you know, the guy in the system consistently going out there and giving you starts, a ton of strikeouts, all of his pitches worked, you know, and he was a guy that what you loved about him was every single time he went out there, he got better. He worked deeper into games, you know, as the season got on, he wasn't getting fatigued, he was getting stronger and being able to pitch deeper into games and maintain his velocity, which was, you know, where he struggled early in the year was maintaining his velocity. He was doing that better late in the year. The changeup looked a ton better than I was expecting. The command was fantastic, which for a 19-year-old at any level, seeing I'd be able to command his fastball is a huge, huge benefit, and he had that. And so I think that SCs, you know, going forward, you know, there's kind of a wave of pitchers and he is the lead, you know, after this next wave of pitchers that we have, the guys like Elder Muller, he is the next guy that's, we're going to be looking at as like, this is a guy that's going to fit into the British rotation in the future. Assuming he obviously continues to progress at the level he has so far. He is the guy that like, he's a ways off, but once he gets there, he's the guy that you really look at as someone who can make an impact at the major league level. Yeah, uh, for our, uh, I, I now, again, I want to echo Joey Estes. I think he's been great. He's looked better and better as the season's gone on. Garrett's 100% right about that. Just all the pitches just seem like he's, he's learning how to pitch too. He's learning how to be pitching more efficiently and kind of get through innings more quickly as opposed to kind of just trying his best to strike out everybody. He is learning how to get weak contact too, to kind of get outs when he needs them so that he can get another inning out of his arm. And he's just got better and better as the season go on, goes on. I wish they had promoted him to Rome, but they ended up not doing so. And again, there was a little bit like as you kind of got past that Augusta which was kind of a wasteland of the prospectum unfortunately as promotions happened but you know once you kind of got to Rome and Mississippi you know, there's just less and less room to move guys uh even with some injuries and COVID stuff uh, in the other levels it just got a little it was getting a little bit tough roster wise so hope hopefully that's not you know indicative of what the Braves think of him but my hunch is that there was just more of a roster issue uh I'm, I'm gonna mention the name that I Garrett wanted the name but for those who aren't aware Every time that Garrett mentions Spencer Strider's name or recaps a game that he is playing in, bad things happen to Spencer Strider. He just like for whatever reason he'll walk a guy, like walk two guys and give up a three-run homer. Uh, we've basically all but forbidden him from talking about him whatsoever. But 
uh, Spencer Strider is the easy answer for me. I mean, he's a guy that was picked in the fourth round by the Braves in a draft that, you know, only had five rounds. We all kind of pegged him as like a relief type coming off of Tommy John surgery, hadn't pitched all that much. You know, again, he had the, had a, had a low to mid nineties fastball from everything we had heard. And it's not that we didn't like the guy. It's just that not, we didn't expect him to like be sticking as a starter. We didn't know that the secondaries were necessarily going to be there. It was a really puzzling pick. But it, that turned out to be an absolutely fantastic, fantastic pick. Because now he has a fastball with a ton of life, particularly in the top of the zone, sitting 96 to 99. And he's pitched all the way from Augusta all the way to double A Mississippi. You know, the, the, the power curve ball has gotten significantly better. Still misses with the command on it sometimes and it misses in the zone. Now, and again, the, the command issues that he has, he's not necessarily walking guys. He'll miss in the zone, which is a little bit problematic, which has led to some home run problems at times. But, you know, with that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm willing to let him kind of figure things out, especially since it seems like he's trying to like learn how to throw that power curve ball. He's throwing a change up more. He was basically not throwing it at all for the, you know, basically his time in Augusta, but he's throwing it a little bit more as he's kind of ascended the ladder, trying to get those opposite hander, hitters out, uh, in addition to that power curve, that power curve ball. You know, I think that fastball might be like the best, like, I think it's the best pitch in the system right now. Um, I have some other kind of thoughts and later on in the Q and A is to kind of, you know, where, how, how much I think of him, but, you know, it turns into like a top six, top seven prospect amongst, I think for all of us on the talking chop crew, you know, he's, we think that highly of him and it's just crazy good stuff. And that is not a, anywhere close to where we had him. We didn't even have him ranked on our top, our top 30 coming into the season. And we put him all the way at six. He's just been incredible, a wonderful story uh, and a great dude too. Uh, we interviewed him over, uh, I interviewed him, uh, Pretty early in the minor league season. Make sure you look on that interview at talkingchop.com if you want to kind of get caught up on who Spencer Strider is and kind of how he got to the point that he's at right now. Uh, so Garrett, for the next question, I'm going to tee you up first. And you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be super negative in this because again, there's with prospects like, you know, the, the path isn't linear, right? Like guys have setbacks and, you know, guys have disappointing years, but at the same time, you know, there, there's reason to be like, wow, that this, that was not what I was expecting from that particular player. It has not been a good year for whatever reason. So for you, who was your biggest disappointment, uh, for just this season anyway, for the 2021 Meyer Leagues and down to the Braves? Yeah. I mean, there were three guys that jump out for me as disappointments, but two of the guys are at double A and they had bad season, but they had good moments. You know, overall they had. You know, and that's Shoemake and Trey Harris. You know, they had good moments. They had, they showed signs and they're both younger guys. Well, Shoemake's a little bit younger. He's like 22 or 23. Harris is a little bit older, but he definitely, I mean, he's a guy that wasn't like huge on our prospect list. I think the biggest disappointment by a fairly large margin was Jaciel de la Cruz. Um, we all, or most of us had him like in our top 10, I think. I, I don't remember where we had him at the beginning of the year, but I mean, he had like three or four good starts this year, and then ever since, uh, he hasn't had a single good game yet. I mean, it's this is a guy that we kind of, coming into the season, we were like, it was, when is this guy going to pitch in the major leagues? And now it's, is this guy ever going to pitch in the major leagues? And it's really not clear at this point. I think, you know, he struggled with injuries. He struggled. All of his pitches seem to have regressed. His commands regressed. It's one of the more disappointing seasons I've seen ever out of a prospect in that he just was not the same pitcher that we've seen of him in the past. You know, I think where he is going forward, I don't think that, I think that for him, the startership has kind of sailed at this point. And, you know, they may give him another few starts there next season, but 
really we're looking at best case scenario, can this guy pitch out of the bullpen? And the way his stuff has looked lately, that's not really clear. And, you know, I think a year ago, we all looked at this guy as like worst case scenario or, you know, not worst case, but, you know, our lower end projection was this is a guy that can come in, you know, in the seventh inning and give you really good innings. And now it's really genuinely a question if he's going to pitch at the major league level. And I think that that's a, it's definitely was a disappointing season for him. You know, he's a guy that I've liked for a few years now. And I just, I was hoping to see a lot better out of him. And he just, after the first couple of starts, he did not impress at all. Wayne, what about you, man? Who who are your guys that you were disappointed in? It's funny because you could tell we how much we talk because I have a little list of notes here and it's the same names essentially. But I do have <laughs> yeah. I do have one other name I'd like to throw in there. And and you know, Eric, you said it. Uh, you don't want to be negative, right? I don't like using Trey Harris's name and the word disappointed in the same sentence because you know he wasn't terrible. Um, and a lot of the the stuff with him, um, it was a slow start, and we saw a lot of the hitters getting off to slow starts, right? And he and he did kind of look yep. more like Trey Harris towards the end of the season. But if I were going to put him in a disappointed bundle, I look back to the beginning of the year, and he was a guy that I thought was going to at least get called up and and have a couple big league at bats, right? And for most of the season, he didn't look like that guy at all. So that's why I would put him in the disappointed category. And then this other guy I just want to mention, it's more of a, of a certain number that I'm disappointed in, and that's Justin Dean, right? Um, like Justin Dean, I've always been, you know, D2 guy. I've always been higher than most on him, and, and he does. He has the tools, you know. He's been in full-season ball for two full seasons, and he's led the, both leagues in stolen bases, right? He has the tools. What was disappointing for me this year is that he struck out 30% of the time and only walked 9% of the time. And this is a guy, like we just said, he has the speed. He's a guy you want getting on base, not taking big swings for the fences all the time. He is a gap-to-gap guy that makes singles into doubles and walks into triples, right? And in the past, he's been like a 20 22% strikeout guy, but he also was walking like 12% of the time, you know, and that's why he was – called out to the Arizona Fall League. That's why he was, you know, a prospect all-star. Um, so to, to see that swing change, and, and hopefully it was just shaking the rust off, And but but to see him so swinging so freely at the top of the lineup where he's better served taking a few pitches was kind of disappointing for me. Yeah, I'll just piggyback on a couple of those names here. I'm not entirely sure that Jesse De La Cruz is completely healthy. Um we, I, I have on good authority that, you know, he did battle some shoulder issues in his time when he was at Rome, and that, that was kind of resulted in him missing some time down there. And I don't know if that's what's going on with him in, in Gwinnett, but again, it's just, it's not the same guy. It's just not the same pitcher, and you just, you wonder if there's some wear and tear. You wonder if there's something else going on. And so, he, again, going from a guy who we like, we're like, wow, this is a really, really interesting starting pitching prospect to, wow, like, he doesn't look like, anything special right now like he looks at best like organizational depth this year and that's that's again super super disappointing uh, another name that i wanted to piggyback on a little bit is Braden shoemake other than like um like one month and then a good week in the second half he has looked from very ordinary to bad and that we were really kind of having a lot of questions about Braden and we like differing opinions on the staff. You know, is he going to hit for power? How real is the hit tool? Is he going to stick it short? You know, is that an impact that and is the, is he going to stick up on the down the middle, up the middle? I think that we all agree that he is a shortstop. 
Uh, we think that he def- defensively he he'll play there, but in terms of like what he is at the plate, I could not tell you. I have not those questions. I have more questions about him at the plate, particularly about his hit tool, than I had coming into the season. And that's again a little bit alarming, considering that that's you know a first round pick. And the one thing that we thought that guy was going to do was hit, but he has not been that impact bat on any consistent basis. You know how much of that is mis- is just Mississippi being Mississippi? That park is notorious for kind of you know eating fly balls and things like that. So I don't want to draw too many conclusions, but at the same time, that was pretty disappointing. A couple names. Well, one in particular that I want to mention, uh, and well, it's two. Uh, one is a really, really young player that we were higher on than basically everyone. Uh, that's Makai Backstrom. You know, he's just a guy that we thought that, you know, once he was down there in rookie ball, we really thought he was going to be able to show out a little bit more. And he just hasn't been that guy. And that doesn't mean he won't be. He's very, very young, super tooled up guy, a lot of power. When he hits a home run, it's, no, they're not cheapies. So I don't necessarily want to like, you know, like, you know, bag on him too much, especially since it's not like we saw any particularly great numbers coming out of the Florida Coast League this year for the Braves or basically anyone. So, again, don't want to draw too many conclusions there. But for a guy that we were particularly high on in terms of what our expectations were versus kind of what we saw this year, it seems like he's a lot further away than we than we necessarily would have liked. And, you know, maybe we probably need to downgrade him a bit uh, on our rankings and, you know, just let him work his way up because we still believe in the talent, but he's just a little further away from being, you know, what we think he could be than we thought. Uh, another one, and this is one that I worried about coming into the season, uh, and it has to do with his frame, and it has to do with that, what that kind of frame versus what his stuff is, uh, and how that ultimately pans out in a lot of cases is Victor Vodnik. You know, this is a guy that, you know, we, we had some differing opinions on the staff as to whether or not he's going to be a starter or a reliever. The Braves started him out as a starter, and when he was on the mound and healthy, he was great. He, I mean, that's near 100 mile an hour heat. He was Blowing guys away, double A, got really aggressive promotion there, was pitching really, really well. Then he gets hurt, then he gets hurt again, and he hasn't pitched since August 13th. And that's what you get sometimes. And we don't know exactly what, you know, all the injury, he had a back injury earlier uh, in the season. We don't know exactly what's going on with him now. But, you know, now he's 21 years old, and for a guy who's like six foot even, and he throws that hard, those small frame pitchers that throw that hard, they have a lot of trouble staying on the field. And what I worry about in his particular case is that that's just going to be the story. And ultimately that's what they get. You have to put him in a reliever role, which is why I'm personally going to be downgrading him. Cause I think that just that, that frame and like kind of what he's kind of shown in the pros is like a really, really talented kid, but also one that is seems a bit injury prone. And that means it might be, he might be better served for a bullpen role. Uh, well, again, disappointing, but it's hard to be disappointed by a guy who like can hit, can touch triple digits, uh, and his his floor is just like a guy who could end up being a really late inning reliever, right? So th- those are kind of my guys. But again, all these guys could like turn around and you know go wild next year. We wouldn't be necessarily surprised by that. But just for this season, you know, in terms of what our expectations were, those are kind of a few of the names that we had that in terms of what our disappointments were. Uh, before we kind of get into the last few questions here, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our work from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys. We're going to get to another five or so, uh, another four or five questions as well as kind of getting our closing thoughts down. So, Wayne, for you here, this is an interesting one because relating tools against each other is always interesting because, you know, you always want to prefer things like hit tools over something like a run tool or something like that. And, you know, like comparing them is difficult at times. For you, what is the best tool in the Braves farm system right now? I mean, it has to be Shea Lagalier's arm, right? I mean, there were points this season that we were just laughing at how easily he was throwing out uh, base runners. Um, and, and when you mix everything, so he was, you know, we don't have to go deep in this. Everyone knows the secret. He was a defensive first catcher. But what he did, it just didn't make sense why anyone was even trying to run at, on him. Like, he was picking people off at first. He was throwing people out by mile on his knee. 30 of 72 base runners he threw out. And that was, you know, towards the end of the season, he kind of waned off. You know, like, at one point, he was well over 50%. Um So when, you know, you add that best tool to the breakout that his bat, that his hit tool had, um, you know, overall, I think he's one of the – I don't want to say toolsiest because when I say toolsiest, I think of someone like Justin Dean that does a little bit of everything well. But um, you you put his arm um, out there, and then all of a sudden you have a 22 home run guy that hit 250, two numbers that I thought were well above what I expected from him this year. Um, I just think that that the, makes the arm that much more lethal on him. Uh, it's definitely an interesting choice. My personal favorite in the caught. Scott ceiling department was the pitch in the dirt where the ball rolled away from him and he still threw the guy out at second by like it was 10 amazing. feet. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. Uh, it wasn't even close. Uh, that guy did not have any idea that a throw was coming, let alone that he was going to get beat by that much. Uh, that was good stuff. Uh, so, uh, Garrett, who's your, what's your best tool in the Braves farm system right now? Yeah, I mean, I think Langoliers defense, you know, in terms of most valuable tool, a catcher with elite defense, I mean, is going to win the day. That, Langoliers' defense alone will carry him to the major league level in some capacity, and I don't think that there's any other player in the system that has a single tool that can do that. Um, outside of Langoliers, you know, the 80 grade tools, right? Like the only guys I could, I, I honestly don't even know if out of sight of Langoliers' arms. Like right now, a guy with 80 grade would be Pache's defense, and then maybe Tyler Collins' speed. But um, but again, you know, Pache has to hit to make, you know, whereas Langoliers doesn't necessarily have to hit great, 
Pache still has to hit somewhat. Collins has to do a ton to make use of that speed. I think that outside of Langoliers, the most valuable tool that we're going to see is Michael Harris's hit tool. I mean, he is probably the best hitter in the system overall. You know, it's debatable there, but a guy that can play center field that can hit as well as he does, and he's still raw somewhat in his approach. He isn't tapping into the power the way we like to see. But in terms of his understanding of the game, the consistency with which he makes contact, the way he's made approach adjustments this year, I mean, that's a guy that you know, we talk about him a lot. And, I mean, that hit tool is enough to carry him to the major leagues, assuming it continues to progress at its current pace. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised by y'all by y'all's answers with this one because I mean, like Langlier's defense, particularly his arm, are are is incredibly good. And you guys are correct that for a catcher, you know, the bar offensively is pretty low. Like as long as you like is a good a good receiver can control the running game or really good defensively, and he is certainly checks all those boxes. You know that that can get you to the major leagues as a catcher. Um, I I still feel really strongly about Christian Pache's defense I, and his arm too, for that matter. Uh, if we're just ta- if we're just talking specifically about uh, his arm and not just overall defense, but you know that's a really valuable tool. And while I do think he certainly needs to hit more than he did in the major leagues, he just wasn't hitting at all. You can't do that. But you know, as like your number seven or your number eight hitter, and again, maybe he hits two forty or something like that with some power and has some speed on the base bats. But if we, I think he's good enough defensively. Where if that's what he is, then that that is super valuable. What he is defensively in center field because he just makes plays that are not easy at all, and he makes them look easy. He's hunting outs. He is he he lets he makes base runners make mistakes because he looks like he's not moving as fast as he is. And he looks like he's not going to try to make a play on a guy and they, you know, get a little bit lazy. They don't, they're not necessarily going all out and all of a sudden he throws them out at second. He'll throw them out at home. You know, he, he makes catches all over the field. He has good range to both sides as well as front and back. Really, really good. Another tool that I mean, I, and I will die on this hill. Spencer Strider's fastball is incredibly good, like incredibly good. You know, you just don't see that kind of movement at the top of the zone, which is what teams are looking for right now with that much velocity and that kind of spin. And I just, I, that, that is one that's really kind of standing out to me. I don't, I know that people kind of, they know that Strider's fastball is his best pitch, but I mean, like, I'd probably, I would not be, I would not be surprised that going into next year and kind of going through next year that people start putting 70s and 80s on it. I, I don't think that people are there with it right now, but I think that, that it will get there and it will be really appreciated as like one of the best pitches in the minor leagues. Cause that pitch is really, really good. Um, so for the next question, and again, Garrett, this is going to be for you. Um, this is being a little more predictive kind of going into the 2021 season. This will be a, almost a little bit of a preview of our thoughts of kind of what's going to be in our preseason prospect list, which will come out, you know, late December, early January, just kind of depends on how the off season goes. And that is, Whose stock could you see soaring next year? So not a guy that we saw their stock make a big jump this year, but whose stock could you see like going like maybe at the midseason list next year? Who could be kind of shoot shoot up the ranks in a hurry? So I will say that he didn't necessarily jump up our list because we already had him up, but I think nationally the guy that's going to start getting recognition, and it's for me by a pretty wide wide margin, is Von Grissom. I mean, yep. There was not a single player in the system that was better than him in the second half of the year. I mean, he hit, destroyed low A, came up to high A, and in the time he was there, he destroyed that too. I mean, that's a guy with his hit tool, as good as he is as a hitter, you know, extremely advanced approach, makes a ton of contact, patient at the play, has a good eye, good discipline. A guy with that hit tool, 
if the power takes a step forward in any way or you know if the power takes a step forward and he's hitting 15 home runs a season 15 to 20 a season which you know is a stretch but it's definitely a guy I mean he has the talent to do that if he can stick at shortstop and tap into the raw power that we know he has while still hitting I mean that's a guy that could be you know a top easily a top 100 and you know a potentially if he plays as well as he could that's a guy that could be a top 50 top 40 top type prospect next season I mean he has all the talent in the world he is still I mean, again, he's 20. He is, there is rawness to a game, his game, especially in terms of too many ground balls. The defense is questionable at shortstop, but if, with his athleticism, with his hit tool, if he does what we think he can do, he's going to get a ton of attention next year, especially, you know, now that he's out of his first full season. I think that they will let him loose a little bit and say, hey, if you hit, you can hit your way up to double A. You can hit your way up to triple A. Just go out there and hit and play your game. And that's a guy that could really, with the way he approaches the game, could really do a lot of damage next year. Yeah, I mean, when we ranked him at midseason, we had him at number 12, I think. And shortly thereafter, it felt like we had underranked him. And I think that he's firmly going to be in our top 10. Uh, probably at the preseason rankings just because of how well he's hit, how much we think of him overall. There's certainly his, his future defensive home is an open question, uh, particularly since, you know, like, do you move him over the third? And if so, are we going to see that kind of that, that power that we saw for a very brief time, um, at least that consistent power anyway, when he was in Augusta? So, you know, is that where he plays? You know, is he a second baseman? Is he a guy that just plays all over the infield and can just flat out hit? I'd love to see that too. These are all very valuable things to have in an organization. Uh, Wayne, who is your guy that's like, you know, 2022, you could see like midseason, like, wow, this guy could really jump up in a hurry. Yeah, I, I think you you talked about both of them uh, at some point in the show already. And I think, I mean, I agree with everything on Von Grissom, right? Uh, he's he's high in our eyes because we see him and we followed him for so long. But as Garrett said, on the national level, if he does what he did, you know, and, and we're talking about – his hit tool and what he's doing with the power that's coming and how he was able to hit everything. But he was incredible when he wasn't hitting, right? He walked, he walked way more than he struck out when he got promoted to the most advanced pitching he's ever seen. And, and he had a little uh, Ray Patrick dinner in him, right? He, he got beamed a bunch of times this year. So we're talking about a guy that finds his way on base and he's just really a, a special prospect. But I'm going to also throw out uh, Joey Estes. Estes. Um, I just, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, he. I mean, this is he won the triple crown in in low A, right? He he led the league in ERA and WHIP and strikeouts. And and the thing is, is you know, and we know wins and losses don't mean anything, but he did all of that and he finished three and six, right? Imagine if this guy moves Kill up. Kill the win stat. Kill it. <laughs> Let I mean, it die. This guy moved. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Wins and saves could go bye bye, but um. If you move this guy up uh, to where there's more competent defense behind him and there's more hitting behind him and he gets even more confidence behind him to be this ace that he is. We're talking about a top pitching prospect in the Braves system. By I'm not saying that's my prediction, but I'm saying he has that potential by midseason to, to, to kind of be that guy. And, and I think, uh, again, like in our eyes, I believe he's pretty high. He's, he's definitely top 15 for us. Um, but on a national level, I think if he continues on the trajectory that he was on, you know, and we got kind of teased because he got injured to, to close out the season when, and we didn't get to see him finish it out. But if if he's doing that at the next level next year, he's just he's going to soar up prospect charts. 
Yeah, those are all really great names, uh, truly. I mean, like, big fan of Vaughn Grissom, obviously. Joey Essies is the kind of a guy we talked about a bit at the beginning of the show. He's kind of a guy who's like a really big surprise and has really kind of shown out. Uh, a couple names that I want to mention, and they're from this particular draft class, which is a, a good place to um, – a good place to identify guys who could really have breakouts. You know, a guy like Adam Shoemaker, that's a prep arm that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he was super impressive. But that's a really raw arm, so maybe that's not super likely. But two guys in particular, one is Tyler Collins, uh, who we mentioned earlier in the, the show is kind of, like, you know, super fast. But he's been putting up really good numbers down there in rookie ball, too. He's, like, putting up some power numbers, too. And we're really excited to kind of see what he does in full season ball. Are those power numbers just that he's so fast that, you know, He's just beating out ground balls for doubles just because, you know, the, the level of competition down there isn't very good. Or is he a guy that's really hitting the ball for authority, too, because now with that speed tool, and then if he's also hitting and hitting for power, you have a really good player there because that's a kid that we are fairly – we've the things we've heard is that he's going to stick in center field, right? So that's a guy that I could see, like, really jumping up, especially if he has a really fast start to the season. If he's killing the ball in low – if he's killing it in low A, where's what we think he's going to start next year, he could be really exciting. Uh, another guy who's been sneaky good uh, since he got drafted and was added to the Augusta roster is Andrew Hoffman. And again, this is a guy that's, you know, 21 years old, out of Illinois, but he has just been really, really good since he started. Since he started. Now, this because of his age, you can't necessarily have all the time in the world to promote him. So maybe he's a guy that gets an aggressive promotion, maybe to, maybe to Mississippi to start the season next year. That wouldn't be necessarily surprising to me. Considering you know they're gonna have to make some make some roster moves for that to happen, but ultimately I wouldn't be necessarily shocked to saw them. I mean, he struck out 37 batters in 29 and two thirds innings uh, as a pro so far. You know ERA is 273, and for a guy like making his pro debut after a long college season and the the fastballs looked good, just the stuff has looked legitimate, and he looks like he's just miles and better than what he's playing against right now. Sure, it's low A. The, the, we can't draw too many conclusions about the the numbers, but the stuff seems to back that up too. So he'd be, he's a guy that I could see again, maybe doesn't turn into a top 10 prospect next year, but for a guy that they like get in the 12th round and I could see is like being ranked in the teens by mid season. If he has, if he pitches well, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big jump. And it's like, you know, stock wise, again, not sort of the same thing, like it's sort of that national level recognition, but Certainly a really interesting arm to say, to say the least. Uh, Dylan Dodd's another guy who's kind of in that same boat. He hasn't pitched quite as well as a pro, but he's a guy who like a lot of scouts have really, really liked. It seemed like that the, when the Braves drafted him, he was not going to last very many picks longer than that than where he was. So, and that's not your typical senior sign guy. That's a guy that can really, really knows how to pitch. He could be really interesting as well. So those are just a few names that I kind of want to add on to what Wayne and uh, Garrett were saying. So this is kind of, this is very subjective, this next one. Uh, and, Wayne, I'll kind of tee you up on this one first. Who is the player that you are most looking forward to seeing play next season? Man, to to narrow it down to one, uh, Hoffman is definitely on my list. Uh, He pitched a lot of Thursday nights, which you know is my recap. And he uh, it's everything you said, right? He got better and better as as the starts went on. I believe his last start, right? He took a no-hitter into the sixth inning. I I mean, he just – he got – Better and better as it went on. And this guy, I, I mean, I think we got to consider him kind of the breakout Braves prospect of the year. Now, I don't think this that means he's going to jump into the top 10 by midseason next year. But I'm definitely excited to see what Darius Vines does, right? I mean, this was a guy yeah. that, that yeah. put together a great little season, and he kind of came out of, of – I mean, we knew who he was. Did we expect him to – 
you know, he basically became the ace of Rome when everyone moved up and he handled it well, you know, and he's just a very efficient guy. He's another one of those guys that's not going to overpower you. He He's very smart. He knows when to throw his pitches that are going to get you out. And uh, I'm just really excited to see. Obviously, um, they didn't. You know, they didn't wait to move him, to bump him up a level from Augusta to Rome. So they, they'll be willing to move him up. And I think a lot of the guys in Mississippi are Gwinnett bound next year. So they're going to need to fill the rotation. So, I mean, it, saying that I'm excited to see Darius Vines, you know, like, I, I, again, I'm not promoting him as the, the biggest riser or anything, but I'm definitely excited to see what he does after his breakout at, at the next level. I think he's a interesting little prospect and I think he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, he his starts are always fascinating to me because like he always looks good until the home run is given up, right? And like he still looks fine in almost all those starts, right? But it's just like it's a consistent home run problem, and it's largely based on the fact that while the secondaries are great, like I, I love the changeup, I love the breaking ball, but the the fastball is a concern for me, and I wonder if there's any way he can find a way to add just another tick to that thing. Because if he gets like another – if he's throwing like 93, 94 consistently and like getting more movement, getting some better spin on it, that's a really, really good pitching prospect because like that plays off those other secondaries incredibly well. It makes it even harder to time him up. The thing that – the problem that he has is like his fastball is re- relatively easy to time up, particularly if he throws throws it in the zone. So it's not something he can necessarily rely on to get a strike when he needs one just because – it's not something that's necessarily fooling guys, but I I just wonder if there's any way. I don't know if it's a drive line thing or if it's you know just finding a way like a, a tweak in his delivery just to get another tick in that fastball because he's even more exciting to me if he can make, pull that off. Garrett, what about you? Yeah, I want to echo Vines. I've liked Vines for quite a while now. I mean, he's fun to watch pitch. You know, he does have that home run problem, but he's super athletic on the mound. I mean, he's a great pitcher. I, I, I've enjoyed watching him. He's a great minor league pitcher. We'll see what he is long term. Um, going back to Tarnock, we talked about earlier. I really wanted to, I really want to watch him next year, you know, see where he goes. I think that the two that I really want to go with, and the number one guy that I want to see next year is Tyler Collins. Uh, we talked about him earlier. I mean, what, we kind of know what he is, but I really want to see what he looks like at the plate, what he is approach wise, how he is, how he drives the ball. You know, I, I know that there's going to be a limit to it, given his size, given his swing. There's going to limit, be a limit to how he drives the ball. But I want to see how he approaches that, how he is handling, pitching, and trying to get on base and use his speed. I mean, you know, we look at a guy recently that had, you know, not by any means a good career, but had a few years where he had a good run. You know, he's got a lot of similarities to Malik Smith, except, you know, he's probably a slightly better hitter. He's you know, we'll have to see kind of, again, whether the walks come, that type of stuff. But, you know, you know, a similar guy to that, which was by no means would not be – would be a bad major league career, you know, a great – you know, and, and, and people forget how fun Malik's was to watch. Yeah, right? I mean, he was a ton fun to watch run the fun. bases. I mean, he's a great defensive player. He could be a great defensive player with his speed. You know, and he could be – you know, he's stronger than Smith was. So if he you – know, if you add – even 10 home runs to Malik Smith's game, that's an MLB player for sure. And 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 I definitely think the Collins has that potential, you know, to be a double-digit 10-11 home run guy. You know, I don't think that he's ever going to be 15 to 20, but I do think that, you know, you could see him get to double digits. And if he can get to that level with what we 
think his hit tool can be and with what his speed is, what we think his defense could be, that is a guy that can play at the major league level and be quite a good player. The other guy that I want to see, I think he will pitch some next year. I don't know how much he will pitch next year. I do want to see Schwellenbach on the mound, Spencer Schwellenbach yeah. on the mound. Um, I want to see what he has. Um, you know, he's not a guy that I'm looking at next year like – I'm going to make my final judgment off of what you do, but I do want to see him on the mound, you know, see how he responds to surgery and see how he goes out there and pitches and kind of, cause we have basically no information on him at all. You know, we have no information on him as a starter. He hasn't thrown bullpens, you know, so it, it's, he's going to be a really interesting player to watch. And I do want to see him next year for sure. Yeah, definitely. That was a name that I was going to mention. So I'm glad that you did. Uh, it sounds like that the, the timeline for Schwellenbach seems like it's possible, if not likely, that he returns next summer, which means that we should get a chance to see him. Now, all rehabs are different. There could be setbacks and things like that, but he's definitely a guy that we really do want to see what he can do, uh, especially with a completely rebuilt arm. You know, there's no, now there's no longer any consideration about like, you know, how long is his arm going to, you know, hold out, you know, is that the first surgery that he had, is that going to hold? He ended up just having to have Tommy John surgery, but this type of repair that he ended up having to have wasn't like the typical one where it's the longer timeline. This seems like a shorter one, and that repair will allow him to kind of come back more quickly. Again, really excited to see him. And like kind of the, the guys that I sort of like circle as the guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing are from that 21 uh, 21 draft class. So you're looking at Tyler Collins. You're looking at A.J. Smith-Shawver. Uh, Shoemaker's another guy that I'm interested in seeing. Just – I want to see Mackay Backstrom in, in full season ball. I want to see Caden Morton in in full season ball. Those are all guys that are really interesting, uh, albeit so far underperforming uh, in terms of how they've been playing. Um, but one guy that we haven't mentioned really much at all on this show uh, or just much at all because we just know absolutely nothing about where he is physically and where he is in terms of his, you know, in his baseball development is Ambioris Tavares which was the top, the top IFA signing for the Braves uh, since, you know, things have kind of slowly been uh, lessened in terms of the restrictions that they have. I mean, this is a guy that is supposedly can hit, can hit for power. They think he can play short. He certainly has the arm for it. The Braves didn't even have a Dominican Summer League team this year because they, you know, with those sanctions, there's really no point. They, they've certainly signed some guys for the, the, the minimums and things like that, but they weren't able to really put a roster together. So, but with a guy like Tavares, is he a guy that, you know, they give, get, get some time and instructs, see where he's at physically. You know, right now he's listed at what, like six foot and like 168. But, you know, phys- with physical development, you have to think that that's going to kind of be something that's going to be a very different looking kid. <laughs> Once he ends up making his pro debut, I imagine that he's probably going to play in the Florida Coast League to start, which makes me wonder, you know, how much we're actually going to video we're actually going to get of him. We're going to have to try our best to get some more information on him as he's playing, but you know, we'll get we'll get stat line stuff and things like that. But get that first look and getting some looks at kind of how how he looks uh, running the bases, fielding. He's a, a guy that I'm really really excited to kind of get some more information on because we forget about him we 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 put him on our rankings but at the same time with so little information that 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 ranking always feels very tentative it could go up or down with and with an ifa signing like this where we don't even have dominican summer league scouting to you know try to run down to or get information on we just have like very like you know whispers here and there like we hear from a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy that he's looked good in scrimmages and stuff like that right so he's a guy that I'm really excited about, and I'm assuming that they, we will actually get to see him play professionally next year in some capacity. What that looks like, I'm not 100% certain. Uh, I imagine they'll be in the Florida Coast League. If he's really impressive, maybe they give him a shot in Augusta, but we'll see. 
All right, last question for you. Kind of let you guys show your uh, your closing thoughts. And Garrett, this is go to you first. Uh, we have who are is prospect eligible right now? Um, you know, some of the guys. Some of these are relatively easy decisions. Some of these are you know much more speculative. So for you, if you're looking at the prospects that are currently in the system that are prospect eligible, who do we see graduating from prospectum in 2022? Hitting-wise, I don't know how much we're going to see any new guys. I think that we're going to see Contreras and Pache. Pache is definitely going to get his time. They're going to give him as much of a chance as they can give him, and I think that he'll end up graduating. I think Contreras will get enough time to graduate. That's a little more iffy. He could spend some time at AAA. No, he'll, no, but I think over no, – he graduated already? Yeah, he graduated already. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, okay, then just Pache. Uh, um, there's a chance that Drew Waters does – I think that he is going to get and needs more time at AAA, and I think that he's going to get significant time. I could see him graduating. I don't expect it. I don't think that they're going to call up Langoliers yet. I think they're going to send him a AAA, let him spend the year at AAA. That's fine for him. I think that's a great path for him. I don't really think that we're going to see many guys graduate like that. You know, I could see a guy like if they think Justin Dean can hit well enough to play off the bench, that's a guy that maybe could get there. But I think overall, really, you're going to see Pache, and that's pretty much it. Pitching wise, there's so many guys that could be, you know, Tucker Davidson, who knows what he's going to look like coming off the injury. Kyle Muller should get an opportunity. You know, I think Kyler Muller is probably going to graduate next year. They're going to give Kyle Muller his chances. He's going to graduate. Um, Bryce Elder should get enough chances. Who really knows? You know, that, that rotation is always iffy and there's only certain, so many spots that can go around. So, you know, Davidson, Elder, they might be guys that don't technically graduate, but we are like, yeah, we're not ranking this guy anymore. He's not really prospecting anymore. You know, you know we don't know what those guys are going to be yet. And so, you know, that's kind of going to be an interesting. I think that two of the three between Elder, Davidson, and Muller are definitely going to graduate. I just don't know how many beyond that are going to graduate. Um, and even two is not guaranteed. I mean, there's just so many pitchers in that rotation right now. Um, and I think that the relievers we're going to see graduate, uh, Indigo Diaz should get a chance at the major league level next year if he does what we think he's going to do. Uh, that's a guy that I can see going up. I don't really know of uh, any other guys. You know, Corbin Klaus could get a chance, but I don't know how much of a chance he's going to get. You know, you have to spend a fairly good amount of time on the roster to get it off of there, and you don't know if Corbin Klaus is going to get up there quick enough. Yeah, we, we love Corbin. <laughs> yeah, we that, like Klaus, trick. but... Yeah, we, well, no, we love we love Klaus, and coming off the injury, he's looked really good. But the problem with relievers is they make a lot of appearances to graduate. So yeah, well, yeah, um, I mean, they usually graduate based on what is is it forty five days on the roster? I see that, I, that, that. Now we're getting to a what? It's late enough in the day where I'm starting to remember, misremember roster moves, something like that. But he could, I could, I could see that being the case. I, I think Indigo is probably our best bet. I could see Brooks Wilson getting a chance next year. You know, I, I mean, there's so much instability in that bullpen. Brooks Wilson's looked really good. He's already been caught, called up AAA. We don't talk about Wilson a lot because he's not a guy, you know, Indigo, his fastball and his strikeout rates just kind of like, they blow you away, right? Wilson is not one of those guys, but he's a guy that has decent pitches and has decent command, and that's a guy that can give you middle inning, middle relief innings that they desperately need guys that can fill innings in the middle relief core and I think that he'll get a chance next year I, I don't again I don't know if he'll get 45 days or whatever it is but I do think that it's between Diaz and Brooks Wilson for the guys that I could see graduating out of the bullpen yeah I mean I really like all those names that you picked uh you know 
Diaz is a guy that we've been kind of circling for a while as a guy that could be a really interesting reliever for the Braves down uh, in the very near future. We we get plenty of questions about why he hasn't been called up to the major leagues already. And, you know, with COVID and the, the COVID breakout in the Mississippi roster, you know, any hope of a late, late season, you know, b- bounce in that direction, that, that sort of ended. But we still really, really like him. We, we love his attitude on the mound. We love the stuff. We love this, the, the, the results have been really good. That's kind of borne that out. We love that, how live the fastball is. Uh, Wayne, uh, any, any names that you want to expound on or add? No, I mean, Diaz was the big guy that I think, um, is going to make, Definitely. I mean, we've been all over it that he's going to make the impact, but, and, and I did want to, you know, definitely touch on Brooks Wilson because I don't think he's a name because he's not flashy, and, you know, and he's not, he doesn't have that big power fastball or big strikeout numbers, but all he's done this year is get people out, you know, and he yeah, does and, his job. Yeah. Like any other reliever, he has his one or two game spurts where it gets away from him, you know, but, what the Braves need, and Garrett said it, and especially in those middle innings, is a guy that just goes out there and gets people out, right? It doesn't have to be uh, with a 100-mile fastball. It doesn't have to be striking out the side. It just has to be a guy that has the confidence to hang in there, maybe let up a hit but not a home run, and, and get and get the hitters out. And I think, you know, Garrett kind of said it like maybe we'll see some of these guys uh, get called up and not necessarily graduate per se, but like see enough innings of them that, um, you know, we, we won't necessarily consider them a prospect. And, you know, the way you talked about Strider's fastball, if they need, it, it would have to, it would take a lot of things to go wrong, uh, especially since, you know, he didn't see AAA this year, but I wouldn't rule out him getting kind of like, I'd hate to compare it to like the David Price Tampa Rays year, you know, when he came up to be the that late inning guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, with that fastball and and just one of his secondaries, he's a guy that could pitch a lot of seven innings, seventh innings, and, and get the job done. Um, but again, you would have to pile up those innings for him really to fall off our prospect list next year. But, but so that's what I'm saying. A lot of things would have to go wrong for him to fall off our pro for him to graduate. So I really think, um, you know, the, the obvious guys that, that Garrett mentioned, but I think Indigo Diaz and Brooks Wilson, two guys, um, Braves fans should have their eyes on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys actually mentioned all the names that I would have, that, that I would have thought were even a realistic possibility. Uh, I do think Bryce Elder is kind of a dark horse candidate there as a guy that he was already getting consideration for getting called up now. You know, I, I think that if Tucker's healthy, he is going to graduate. The problem is I'm not sure how healthy he is. We've, we know like from like Instagram and stuff, we've seen that he's throwing, but we just don't know how much he's throwing and what the ultimately how serious the issue was. He's been out for a long time. So it's not something that I'm like super confident in, but if he's healthy, I think he graduates. I also think that Kyle Muller is going to graduate. Christian Pache, I think is pretty close to a lock. Uh, he's really close to graduating already. He wouldn't even have to play that much. Too, uh, and they, they, I think the Braves still really like him. He's looked good late in the season, so I think he's gonna get an opportunity to get that center field job. And we're not even sure that Ronald Acuna Jr. is gonna be ready to, you know, play opening day in 2022 with his injury. So, you know, there's just gonna be some depth concerns in that outfield. And if they feel like that he can give them some, some, some ability at the plate and also that defensive just acumen that he has, I uh, have a hunch they'll give him a, They'll give him a shot. But beyond that, like pitchers wise, there's just so many like variables to kind of factor into, like what the offseason looks like. Uh, I think that the relievers that you guys keyed in on were good ones. I, I'm not going to necessarily sleep on Victor Bodnick even 
possibly even getting a look. If they just decide, hey, look, you know, you're, you just can't hold up as a starter. We're going to make you a reliever. You know, with that arsenal, he could jump up into the major leagues in a hurry too. But once you kind of get into that, it's like how long are you hang him onto the roster. The Braves have pretty famously moved roster, moved relievers back and forth between Gwinnett and the Braves fairly frequently. So, you know, how long would they be able to be able actually carrying these guys on the roster to let them graduate and things like that? But, you know, those are guys that I certainly could see. Uh, being in the major leagues, and there's certainly relievers that I like a lot. You know, beyond that, so we're kind of getting a little bit more speculative in terms of what we could see in the major leagues. Well, guys, that's it. That that is the end of our uh, season wrap up show. Uh, I want to thank for. I want to take a, a second here just to thank uh, all my writers on the minor league side, uh, Wayne obviously and Garrett, along with Rob Vidak, who wanted to be on the show tonight, but he was having issues with his technical stuff. He got a new headset that we and we were going to try to record a show with him. Uh, a few weeks ago and the microphone was really, really bad. It just wasn't working and he hasn't been able to kind of get that sorted out. But uh, Grav Vidak as well as Matt Powers, these guys work incredibly hard to recap and cover the minor league system each and every year. And I want to thank all you guys just for making yeah, making my job a whole lot easier because I, I have the best staff that anyone could ask for and they're just amazing. So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank our listeners as well and our readers. You guys have supported the hell out of us for years now. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all that support. It allows us to do what we do and it allows us to kind of, it, it brings a level of enjoyment that I didn't think was possible from what had, was a interesting and fun little hobby and turned into, you know, just, a far bigger thing than I ever planned on it being. And I'm really proud of the work that we do at Talking Chop, particularly on the minor league side. So thanks to you again for another, to all of you again for another great season. Uh, make sure you're continuing to follow us. Um, Garrett, do you have any f- closing thoughts before you, we let other folks go? Yeah. I mean, uh, just real quick, you know, quick rundown of three guys that we didn't mention today, but that we like. Jesse Franklin hit a ton of home runs this year. We're not sure about the hit tool, not sure about the defense. He had a ton of home runs. He really impressed us. We like him a lot. Um, Troy Bacon as a reliever, kind of a real relief guy. Doesn't have the best fastball. He's got a good changeup. I like him a lot. Jared Schuster, first round pick. You know, we didn't mention him in our best tools, but that changeup is fantastic. You know, it might be the best off-speed pitch in the system. I mean, really, really good pitch. So those are three guys that I want to run down, you know, just quickly so that they get a, a, a good little bit of attention. And then just to say, you know, hey, thanks again for another year. I think I've been doing this for six or seven years now, and it's just – it's a lot of fun. You know, we've made a lot of connections here, and it's been a really cool ride, you know, working with Talking Chop and starting this podcast and all of that. It's been a really, really cool experience. Wayne, your closing 2021 minor league season thoughts. Changing of the guard, right? We've been talking about the the same prospects, I feel, you know, the Kyle Wrights and those guys forever. And the 2020, I said it earlier in the show, the 2020 MLB draft class and the 2021, they've given us a bunch of guys that I can't wait to write our next prospect list about. You know, the, the, there's new pitching prospects, there's new hitting prospects, it's it's a fun time in the Brave system, um, even though some of the, the lower minors records didn't show that there, you know, the Jesse Franklin's, there's just so much fun. Fun is a good word to describe it that, um, they're, they're truly prospects. The prospect of them being something exciting. It's fun to have that again because there was kind of a little lull when the Acunas and all of them, you know, graduated. So it was really a fun season to cover and, you know, um, I started this whole thing working with John Sickles over at Minor League Ball, and when that site shut down, I was 
uh, unemployed for about 20 minutes before I spoke to Eric and, and, you know, bringing me into talking shop, but it's just, it's been an amazing ride. I think it's been three seasons now and, you know, I, I'm just grateful and, and thankful for being part of this team because, you know, everything Eric said is, we talk every day and it's fun to talk baseball with people that genuinely love baseball. And I think it reflects in our work when we put, um, you know, what we love and our passion into it. And it's just, it, thank you for everyone that follows and listens and, and reads our work. Yeah. I wasn't going to have you not writing for SP nation anytime soon. Uh, was, and it really was about probably 15 minutes. You sent me a message like, wow, they're shutting the site down. And I'm like, well, guess what? <laughs> You're going to be recapping <laughs> the Braves now. Uh, well, uh, so, and again, just thanks to all of you. Thanks again to all of you. Uh, again, the next episode is either going to be a kind of a, a mailbag episode. Hopefully maybe we can get Garav kind of set up techno- technologically to where you kind of do a little bit of a mailbag type thing to kind of get his thoughts down on what uh, the end of the season type stuff. And then we're going to start rolling into kind of the end of season. Like what do we thought think of the Gwinnett Stripers, Mississippi Braves, Augusta Green Jackets, Rome Braves. We're going to kind of do those breakdowns as well. Uh, we'll be continuing to cover. We'll still be rolling out the recaps. Uh, there are going to be very small recaps for the next couple of weeks with just the Mississippi playoff push as well as the Gwinnett Stripers final two weeks. But beyond that, once that's over with, we're going to kind of start really kind of rolling into our offseason content and we'll do as many, uh, our best to preview that as much as possible. Uh, as for as, and this will continue to be a weekly podcast, at least for the short term, uh, as we kind of get into the offseason, depending on what's going on too with the playoffs. Uh, at the major league level, you know, maybe it goes to every two weeks and maybe it's, you know, a slightly less regular. Unless we have news to talk about, but for right now, we're going to continue that weekly format and then kind of see where it goes from there. Again, just want to thank you all so much for listening over the course of the last few years. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the Talking Chop podcast feed, which you can find on basically whatever podcast purveyor you use, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. If it exists, we are likely on it as a podcast platform. If we are not, please let us know. Uh, send all those tweets to BT, at BT Roland so that we can get listed on something if, we, if it's something that you use and you want to be able to find us on that particular platform. Not only do you get this podcast, which is specifically about the minor leagues, you also get the flagship program hosted by the great Brad Roland and occasionally by myself as well as Scott Coleman. And then you also get the Daily Hammer, which is kind of a short 15, maybe 20-minute podcast each day hosted by Sean Coleman, uh, no relation to Scott or myself, uh, where you kind of get your fix of kind of what went on the previous night, just kind of your quick, hey, what was, what's going on with the Braves? Quick, easy drive into work we're listening to. Sean's been doing a great job. That's a new show for our, our stream, and he's been doing – an outstanding job making sure that's a consistent thing that people get to listen to. Thanks again to all of you again. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.